The Brillo Girls is our fortnightly soapbox filled with conversations about art, life and everything that falls in between. Join us as we navigate and share their stories, celebrating the good, the bad and the ugly. Perhaps something you thought was ordinary is extraordinary. Hi everyone, we begin this episode of the Brillo Girls by introducing a very talented artist whom I had the pleasure to meet quite a few years ago now. Oh my God, how time flies, huh? (laughs) Goes so quickly. As well as a practising artist, she also wears many other hats in her life. As a curator, an educator, a collaborator, a mother, the list of achievements can go on and on. Her work could be described perhaps like a well-orchestrated chaos, revealing many numerous ideas as well as little nuances hidden amongst her many layers. So let me not ramble on anymore and let's hear her stories. We hope you enjoy her journey and her gorgeous accent, streaming all the way from Ireland the lovely Susanna O'Reilly. What we leave behind with Susanna O'Reilly. It's our first nighttime one. It is. It's sort of quite romantic at night time, isn't it? Good morning. Hello. Oh, Good morning. gorgeous. How are you? You look fabulous. Good. Fantastic. Yeah. Well done to you both. Oh, <laughs> I am. Yeah, good. Hi, Susanna, and welcome, welcome. to the Welcome, welcome. How are you? Good. How are you going? Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. I'm very honoured to have you on the show. How's everything in Ireland? Good-ish. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're surviving um, like everybody else. Uh, we're just—it's just—it's the beginning of September. We're just all sort of getting back to school, college, and all that sort of thing. So it's—it's it's very tentative kind of things that are happening at the moment. Mm-hmm. So every day is is like you don't know if it's going to get shut down or if there's going to be another big flare up of the virus or so it is kind of you're stepping out but you don't know if you're going to be stepping right back into lockdown again. So mm. especially I'm very near Limerick and the cases in Limerick have gotten very high in the last steadily in the last uh, couple of weeks because everybody's returning and it's going to happen eventually. But um, it just the the control of it isn't there yet properly. Mm. Do you know? Right. Yeah, no, I understand. It's fairly surreal times that we're all living in at the moment. Yeah, yeah it's who would have thought in the 21st century that we'll be closed down through a pandemic yeah. worldwide? I mean, how crazy is that? Well, I think it's great that we're all sharing it. You know, not that one, <laughs> one singular person is getting, you know, it usually happens in, in a third world country or something yeah. that something horrendous happens, but everybody's getting their brunt mm. of. Uh, front of it so it's it's equal so okay let's get started so what made you become an artist instead of becoming something else well I, I grew up in a house where my, my father is a is a is an artist is a painter and he taught uh, in a secondary school and he also then got a job curating in a gallery so for when I was in primary school say um, I would all, we'd always be doing you know art and you're very good you're just like your dad blah 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 and I go, yeah, yeah, but I'm not going to do art. No, denied it to the hilt because I thought there'd be something else. You know, this was, you know, it was always around me and I was it. I had was always doing stuff, but it was never a career I thought I was going to do. But then when it came to the crunch and you, you did your last exams and I just applied for it and went. So it was probably um, bubbling underneath me all the time, but I was in denial. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how does um, schooling work in Ireland? In Australia, for example, we have high school where, yeah, uh, yeah stepping stone before universities. Did you apply to go straight to art school from high school, I guess, if that's... Yes, yeah, I did. I did, yeah. Uh, secondary school is what we call it here. 
Right, yeah. Um, yeah, so I did apply to the army as well. I think <laughs> so yeah. I went to we went, yeah, I put a friend of mine I think was doing it and I said ah sure I'll have a go as well and um, didn't get selected or picked or maybe it didn't go through or something oh, okay. so yeah I ended up doing art and what did you major but in it was, back then? Um, printmaking okay yeah, I did yeah. a four-year well the first year foundation course in Limerick School of Art and Design and then mm-hmm. that progressed then to to three years printmaking in in Limerick School of Art and Design so yeah so at that time it was a diploma but it was still a four year so it was equivalent to a degree oh okay oh, wow <laughs> tell me what's the, what, what, what was the passion that drew you to printmaking um god I don't well in first year the foundation course we did which we, we did um everything Mm-hmm. We tried our hand at everything and then we had to choose. So I think I think it came down to just all the different sort of techniques that we were shown. It also boiled down to um, my tutor, uh, Jim Sheehy, who was a little eccentric, but 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 great. He had great stories about working in a workshop in, in New York. And he just had great stories and, and always had some s- solutions for, for making art through printmaking. And, and sort of, it was just so wide and, and there was so much to learn and stuff that I think that that's what kind of, it wasn't just one thing. It was like many, many things. What did you do straight after you graduated? Did you stay in Limerick? To no, stay? I ran away. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go? <laughs> I ran off. <laughs> like you warned out from from college from working really hard um went off traveling and working with a friend of mine over to london and then we went to america and spent time in your country and then um came back to ireland say two years later and uh then i started making getting a studio and starting to work again there's no there was no at that time in ireland there was only like the dublin dub the capital only had uh two workshops and there was one kind of starting up in, in Cork so I had to go I moved to Dublin then and joined a printmaking workshop there and started making work and trying to applying for shows so I got a show and was making work towards that so mm-hmm. was steadily kind of coming back into functioning as an artist you know doing all the things you had to do and also getting a job so my job that I got when I came back was in a picture framer so it was it was very close to the things I needed to be close to I did that too uh, <laughs> yeah I did I worked I in a small should do that yeah I worked in a small gallery uh, that did picture framing and art supplies so I was there for yeah. many years it's so handy and then and then she and then she turned her printmaking her her framers into a little printmaking gallery as well and she used to run a little printmaking uh, open submission kind of thing she's a mini print thing so wonderful yeah totally in my line tell us about the work that you were doing back then was it similar to um some similar things reappropriating things would be the similarity so you know you'd be in the picture framers and people would come in to reframe stuff so inevitably there'd be lots of uh old backboards that were um used for old paintings so they're like veneer wood strips so I used to collect all those and what I did was I carved into them I used to print them sometimes um, if they weren't weren't too weak or, or uh, fragile but then I eventually I just carved them and uh, make made collages of them and painted on them so I used the the backs to to work on and then from then then I make prints with them but so it was it was just again just sourcing what was near to you and it was cheap you know it was free again thrown yeah. out so you're gonna, you're gonna use what um what you can so uh, so yeah so it was mainly etching and collagraphs that I was making um 
So the, the focusing on the wood grain and then just finding, you know, the way you can find kind of figures and with the knots and things. So using the, the existing sort of uh, patterns and textures that are on the wood and then just sort of putting a little slant of um, content into them sort of that yeah. they, they, they look like something different. Yeah. Were you inspired by any artists at the time or anything that sort of spurred you on? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't recall having any singular person to follow, but... But I was in a in a in a studio, um, a shared kind of studio place, um, James Street Studios. So there was eight studios. So there'd be other artists in there too. So so they, you know, you'd get together or whatever and talk. And, and they're much older than me, and they were you know climbing that ladder. And so I was inspired by them. They're kind of pushing on, keep carrying on, doing this, applying for here. So you kind of you're, you're sort of under their wing, but mm-hmm. you're just kind of watching and seeing what they do. So. So they inspired me to, to you know, it, to keep going, I suppose, and to, yeah. oh, if they're doing that, oh, yeah, I should try that, you know, yeah. you know that sort of thing. Sort of camaraderie in, 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 the, in the making of art in Limerick. So because it was quite, quite small, uh, the artists that actually stayed around in Limerick. So you just, you did, it was good to sort of stick together and sort of learn from each other. So how did the Limerick printmakers come about? Was that an instigation from your group of peers? Um, so the Limerick printmakers actually was started by three graduates from Limerick. It had been tried many years before by other people, but then sort of never, never really kind of happened. So these girls secured some money from the Enterprise Centre and then befriended a guy with some property and, and an art lover, Joe Buckley, who's, who's since died. But so he gave them a premises and they had money and they bought a press and they set up. So I think they set up in 1999. So I was still up in Dublin at that stage. Um, but then when I heard they were setting up, I came down and, and joined them. So it was mm-hmm. handier, you know, it was right, right near where, where I lived and everything. So so it started off very small um, and built up, but there was always a constant graduates leaving the college as well. So the, the thing was to, to hold on to them so they don't go to Cork or Dublin. So now that they had the possibility to stay and make prints in, in Limerick was, was a huge Thing. So it was great excitement and, and they've kept going ever since. You know, there's been hard times and stuff, crunch times and all that sort of thing. But uh, I think the core group that kind of was there from the middle or the beginning of it have made it that it is functioning very well. They all work together. When there's problems, everybody jumps in and tries to solve them. And it's not just on the heads of anybody else. Like the three girls that set them up, um, Melissa, Carrie and Claire, they, they have since gone on and somebody else has taken over. So what started off as being, oh yeah, this would be nice to do, has actually grown and, and it's a, it's gone to a real professional kind of level now because we have our Arts Council funding as well. So you have to have to do certain things to get this and that. So um, we, we have it under control, I'd say, maybe a little no, bit sounds, now. Yeah, no, it sounds yeah. wonderful. Very healthy, very healthy. And, and people comment on, we get a lot of things done and a lot of projects and a lot of exhibitions. So there's lots of activity all the time and, and that's a really good thing and there is so there's a lot of energy there and so that's the draw for people to stay and to, or for new people to come can you describe the workshop what do you guys actually do there in, in the sense of facilities as well um, well we this is we're presently um housed in john square now at the moment this would be our third home because mm-hmm. we, we left joe buckley's building because it was crumbling we went then to another kind of more commercial kind of place in the middle of the city but that building got sold so we got this other building. so what we have we have at the moment it was it's this this place actually is the most uh, it's got natural light it's got lots of room and it's got lots of potential so we do lithography silk screen we have an etching room we have a, a letterpress press did i say photography photography too a dark room oh a dark great room. 
Yeah. And then um, they also do classes for uh, kids. So they have a classroom area. We do uh, evening workshops for and weekend stuff for adults. Mm-hmm. So they have a good uh, educational program. But yeah, you can just about anything. A digital printer. We have. I don't think we're missing anything. We have like one of everything. And, and wow. is it yeah. a, like on a rental thing as well? Someone wanted to use it casually? Do they? Yeah, it's, it's based on membership. Yeah. So you can join for uh, a full year membership or you can be an associate membership. Uh, we have rates for student membership, recent graduate, all kinds of different levels and access, mm-hmm. open access ones as well. So lots of different things to make sure everybody is able to print with mm-hmm. the way they can. And do you use it mainly as your studio as well? Is that where you create your work or have you got to yeah. set up at home? Or No, no. 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 I do have a little baby press at home that I use to, to go on mobile mobile events and things like mm-hmm. that. But no, I, I make and do all my stuff, my own stuff and parallel stuff out, out of the, the workshop. And, then, yeah. and do you have like a little gallery there as well that the public can come in and have a look at We used works? to do. In the last two venues we had, we had it, but it was just uh, the workload was just so big and um, we sort of decided that we cut that, like, you know, when, when things were getting hard, that was the first thing to go and, and we haven't brought it back yet, which sometimes it's a disadvantage, but we do have a, a great relationship with another kind of gallery come theatre, art centre in the city. So we got programmed uh, exhibitions that we can that we can have in there about four or five programmes a year. So we have the opportunity to to show work and exhibitions but we're not manning it you know okay. uh, yeah, yeah. so it's that an off-site sort of gallery yeah, yeah, right. so it's good so that's yeah. the bell table so tell us what, what work are you working on at the moment today <laughs> today I'm doing today um, and yesterday I, I'm just working on with an artist for parallel editions at the minute trying to get to the BAT so um What's the BAT? Just the the bonneteur, the... Oh, right, sorry. um, All the additional Mm -hmm. Come on. I know, I know. <laughs> it's, uh, I didn't pick it up immediately. I was a bit behind the schedule. <laughs> okay, I'm going to jump into parallel prints now that, that you've mentioned it. Tell us how you set up that venture. It's absolutely fantastic. I'd love to do something like that here. In fact, I've wanted to do it for years. Yeah. I haven't gone there yeah. yet, but maybe. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so myself and uh, another member, printmaker in the Limerick Printmakers, Brian Fitzgerald, you know, we weren't getting much work teaching or anything like that. And we had to, we were independently kind of making prints for other people um, additioning prints for other people so we sort of got together and, and had the idea that we'd set up and provide a service um, for artists or for whoever wanted making prints so so we got together uh, we went and we actually did talk to the boys up in Dublin mm-hmm. so there is already a, a publishing house up in Dublin called Stony Road and I would have known James from working in the graphic studio when I was a member there mm-hmm. so we went up and we had a discussion with him and you know they were very encouraging they had still they had been in the business for 12 13 years at that stage so it was like okay so we came away from that meeting thinking well you know I think we can do it I think it's a possibility so we went off and we we set it all up we get we get our own artists from from going visiting shows and approaching them to see if they want to come and make work with us so and we also so we had lots of little things that we wanted to do there was other other things that we decided we'd we'd help out younger kind of artists so we decided to give bursary awards to one bursary award a year to recent graduates from from our college now not necessarily print because we reckon the print people can print we're sort of going to painting or sculpture 
literature or something like that. So we picked whatever one we decided would translate the best and we bring them into the studio and they create a work and we make a limited edition of 10 for them and they get into our our collection and stuff. So this year that didn't really happen because there wasn't really any shows or anything. So we have a gap year. This 2020 is a gap year for us, but but it's lovely. It's great. They're, they're, um, you know, they're just left college. They have no idea where they're going to go and this is their first thing. So it's, it's Mm. actually, um, a really nice kind of thing to, to happen, I think. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. I, I remember myself as a young graduate, um, I won an award for to work in a studio. And in my day, I was very, very lucky because I got a whole year of working free in the studio, which in today's day, you know, that um, award has now gone to about, you know, a week of access. So what? I was, yeah, I know, I know. So oh. uh, <laughs> it was very good. I, I loved, enjoyed it. I learned quite a bit. My girlfriend got another award, which was similar to, too. So we were sort of holding each other's hands from going from one studio to another, which was quite fun, you know, and, and seeing how two different studios work. Uh, but we were pretty much self-guided, you know. We just worked our way around, um, you know, not having the comfort of, of the yeah. university studio and both and seeing what we can do, can't do <laughs> sort of thing. I think it's such a, a fantastic thing to give a, a graduating student, especially yeah. starting the career. The, the Limerickers do give a bursary award for a year and a six-month one, and so do Cork and whatever so the opportunity is still happening for them but but yeah. actually get someone to make a print for you I think is nice when nice. you don't yeah. and then you get them sucked in you know and they love yeah. print and what do you do with the edition do you sell the edition off do you give it all to the, the person oh, making she'll, uh, they get their their APs and then we take we take the rest we take the full edition and we sell it and then when the first few are sold then that goes to the cost of production and yeah. then the, mm-hmm. after that it's 50-50 yeah yeah so they can benefit financially as well. Yeah, excellent, excellent. That's an amazing so, opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> just Do you want to go back so- to college. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I went to the wrong art school. <laughs> <laughs> Susanna, you also teach at university level too. What uni are you at? Yeah. In Limerick? Um, I'm back to my alma mater, as they say. Limerick School of Art and Design. Okay. Yeah, I teach first years. So it's it's more general kind of stuff, and then they they break down to the last semester, picking the disciplines. Mm-hmm. So then that is the focus, and is on print for me. Is when you say they pick their disciplines, is that after first year? So second. Um, third, no, it or... all happens in the one year now. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, they get mm-hmm. a taster of everything that they want, and then mm-hmm. they pick three. Mm-hmm. And then they pick one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, sort of weeding out to find what they want to do. And how healthy is printmaking in uni these days over there? Going well? People are still interested? Yeah, and... absolutely. Um, yeah. We always get our numbers. And because printmaking is so, you know, I, I would say so much fun and, you know, not too heavy technical because we only do very basic kind of things, but the mm-hmm. possibilities of them can are wide. For the, when they're doing their testers or when they're figuring out what disciplines to pick, print is always like a huge number. So, so it does become problematic for us to make sure everybody gets an experience of it. You know, you might get 90 that want to do it and, you know, 30 are only going to end up doing it. Yeah. So there is a lot of uh, work for us to, to do our best to get the ones we want, you know, or to get to get our numbers. But if, if you have so many that want to do it, even if they learn a little bit about it in that time and not, not pick it as a discipline, I think is very healthy because they get a better understanding. Right from secondary school, so they're at their, um, their experience of print may be very limited, if any at all. Oh, that sounds good. And how long have you been there? So I've been there on and off since about 2005, part-time coming in at the end, you know, 
So I've kind of gradually, only in the last couple of years, I'm really kind of working more or less full-time hours now. So that kind of cuts into my parallel time, but I'm just trying to balance everything. <laughs> no, for sure. But it's fine. I do. I do enjoy it. I love teaching. Yeah. 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 No, it is fun. It's good. So let's go back to your work. Tell us, what's the, through a day of how you start creating, how do you get your inspiration to create some of the works that you do? Um, well, for the, for the most part, um, the last few prints, well, the last maybe year or so, I've been making prints from from using um, material and blocks again that that are recycled. There's a, I have a friend that works in a, a fabrication studio or a fab lab, sort of laser cutting and routers and all that. So the the they they have like a a board that they do all the cutting on for all the different projects and things. So the the board that all the cutting gets done on is the board that I'm getting. So oh, it's famous. it's like the the cutting mat on wood so I've been I threw I, I saw it one time and I asked oh what happens with that and they said oh that just gets thrown out so I said I'll have it so yeah. um so I took it and ever since then I've been getting all kinds of the same guy has been giving me um other sort of things that he's going to throw out so it's kind of reappropriating marks that have been made by other people you know yeah and then so I've been mixing that using those kind of surfaces to print on and using cyanotype as well to as a base for my prints. Mm-hmm. No, I love that too because um, I'm a fan of all, yeah, found objects and cyanotypes, as you know, <laughs> and pretty much all printmaking practices. Susanna, tell us, is there any hidden concepts what are some of the ideas behind some of the artwork that you're making you know you're using part of the figure there's abstract elements um, and there's heaps of layers which is absolutely beautiful because it brings out certain characteristics in the work you know a richness that it doesn't do justice I think from viewing it online that seeing it in person you actually see the colors and 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 the layers you know the textures really are beautiful yeah and the scale is another thing for those as well because they're quite big yeah um because they're full sheets and uh, Can you give us the dimensions on some of these. Oh, they're they're full sheets, um, uh, seventy by hundred mm-hmm. each page. Mm-hmm. So they're either in twos or fours. So they're quite big. I, I've quite got used to working big now. So um, mm-hmm. it's not hard to go back small. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what you mean. My t- my work <laughs> tends to grow as well. I start here and then it's. <laughs> It grows yeah. and grows. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a disease. <laughs> <laughs> well, the concepts or the, I, I try, it's very intuitive, all the things that I'm doing. Um, my sub, The subject matter of, of using the figure are actually my two boys and some of my, one of my girls, you know, they're twins, like, and so when they were born, I thought, yeah, I'm about that, you know, you know, include them into some kind of work. But, but it's only now that I, that I see them and that I'm able to use the or use them in, in some way as a memento or as a as a capturing capturing a certain time because you know they're just 16 now so they're they're no longer going to be under my care yeah. mm-hmm. or you know so I just wanted to make something about them but well, not necessarily about them I just wanted to use them you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the same goes for the blocks and the the recycled material that I get to print on I just wanted to, to use them as well because I got to a stage in my work where I was making photo etchings of the landscape and colors and using wood and stuff that I had to sort of rethink why I was doing stuff because I have to, the, my parents house um, this the, I think this is where it stems from my parents house went on fire 
and burned down with all their worldly possessions and anything that they owned uh, gone. So I had to rethink about why we do things and what we leave behind and all mm. that sort of thing. I, I began to look at my work much more simply and, and it's only when you, it doesn't happen immediately, but it, that's why I'm making sense of what I'm doing now. So I don't necessarily make any plates or matrices. I take what's already there or, or instigate something and then I use those intuitively to, to, to make the work that I'm doing at the moment. So I'm orchestrating materials and events mm -hmm. and possibilities with, with different materials that are already existing. So the, mm -hmm. the, the boards that are using are other people's marks or I'm collaborating with unknown people and yeah. I'm collaborating the way that the sunlight hit uh, the body and reflect onto the, to the page. Mm -hmm. That's where I am. So I don't really have to think, it's not, it's not terribly deep. It's just all very immediate, all kind of, as soon as I get into the studio, I don't have a plan really, mm -hmm. but I, I trust myself to know what I'm going to do so I just do it yeah. um, oh it's lovely lovely way to work really yes you know? and I get to to plan and have heartache and whatever with parallel editions because all that has to be done for a certain amount a certain way for a certain person so I get all that kind of create making and creating and coming up with solutions how to or how it will look but I get the freedom and the, the freedom and the no pressure on my own stuff that's what's working for me at the moment yeah also made um, some lovely sort of sculptural artist books can you tell us a little bit more how you came about those and what their thoughts behind those were um, again so that's still kind of using my cyanotype and my um, woodblock kind of things so so the next element or the next stage is to get beyond the, the rectangle or to get beyond the traditional square by folding and, and making making them irregular is, is how I, I started to fit them into a book. So I do I do bookmaking uh, workshops in the college as well. So that's how I um, kind of got an interest in that and mm. and and the, the the sheer beauty of being able to make them and travel with them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's because good. you know they're so compact and whatever but so to get something big into into a folded kind of book and just mm -hmm. the folding I've been doing lots of experimenting I, I would like to do those big ones in a fold kind of mm -hmm. geometric kind of things mm -hmm. happen with them but it's it's just getting the paper right to to hold that but I think I remember you used very heavy Fabriano paper in, in was it China it was 600 mil or no oh the gram they were they were they were like nearly oh, hard yeah. yeah yeah i did i did yeah. yeah but i didn't use them for the books though i used them for the prints okay and no, i wanted something that had a, a rigidity about it that i could just you know, hang up or throw or lean against a wall or something yeah. like that. Uh, that was the only reason why I used that type of paper at that time. But, yeah, look, I, I love the idea of taking artist books outside of the plane of what people consider books to be, you know, the standard codex yeah. style where, you know, you turn each page and, and read it. Because some yeah. of your works, I mean, how do they actually fold down or do they actually remain open? Just fold, they fold straight into down. A, yeah. Oh, wow. That's yeah. great. Because they sort of opened up like diamonds, you know, like, uh, can you open oh, there's them a great, um, there's a great, are you sure you know, uh, Siobhan Piercy. She's a yeah. great book. Um, she makes lots of beautiful books and with yeah. all different kinds of old and she's from Galway. So it's not as sophisticated as that, but. No, that's um, all right. Yeah. And getting there. Yeah, it's just yeah. playing around, just another way to push it and make it uh, do something different. And what did you make the accordion ones? You have like a. a oh, yeah. 
So there um, were bits of wood. Um, I can they were like veneer wood that um, I offset printed my prints onto. So and then painted on them as well. But I connected them with little uh, little round kind of metal clips. Oh, all right. So they, they so they folded like an accordion. But that I was that was yeah turned into makes it more sculptural. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. included the, the front and the back so you could walk around um, mm. and view it different ways so you get lots of different kind of um, things going on with it, yeah. Yeah, and physically make and that, people walk around and look at it and sort of you know yeah. try to decipher that's what i like about those they're great i love people peering in and trying to make um some sense of what they see and, yeah. and normally half the time it's real enjoyment it's fabulous so Susanna, tell us about some of these amazing projects you've been doing there's um the last big one that i remember was i think in collaboration with the lovely ladies catherine and noel the lovely ladies of- yeah <laughs> Are they terrible ladies? Oh, I hope they're listening. <laughs> no, they're lovely ladies. <laughs> <laughs> but the big state of print, which I think is just an absolutely amazing project. Fill us all in how that all came to be and your involvement in it and what you put in, the what work you did for the, the project. Well, the whole thing kind of came about from, from meetings again in Impact and sort of coming up with ideas. Uh, so there was, other, there was two others from Dundee's, Paul Harrison and Scott Hudson. From, we're from Dundee. Uh, myself and Des McMahon are from Limerick. And Claire, Noel and Catherine were Cork. So we all met up in a, a residency. We went for a weekend residency up in the north, up in Monaghan. So we dreamed up ideas and thought about things. So we, we had an idea that we wanted to do stuff. So we all sat around this beautiful room with a, a big conference kind of table. And uh, we talked about the, lots of different things that we wanted to do. Came up with the name. Dreamed. We dreamed things absolutely mm. unreal kind of stuff and it, this, then we we decided to to get boxes so we came again and visited the same place a couple of months later and we started making and printing on boxes as our template and then our first showing was in um, Dundee I think we went over there with boxes created from each each of our workshops so Limerick, Cork and Dundee so the the you would just hand a box to um, a participant um, and they were to make prints of what they thought the state of print was. Now, it didn't, it could be anything. It could be political. It could be a comment on print. It could be anything at all that they, that they figured a state would be about. And we did have our state colours. So there was a particular <laughs> palette that we were going for. This is all in the meeting. Um, and we did have particular ministerial jobs that we had to do. <laughs> So it was kind of farcical, but actually a lot of the things that we dreamed up that day happened. So, so you know, you got to watch out. <laughs> what so, was your ministerial role? I think I, I, I deemed myself Minister of Calm. <laughs> <laughs> Count everyone down. <laughs> But I don't know if that really, yeah. you know, whatever. But so there was a Ministry for Colours, Minister for Words, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of things like that. So we created work in boxes so that we could build structures and walls and things like that. Like the, the beginning of our, our, our meetings as well was the, the beginning of the talks of Brexit as well. Oh, so that was a huge kind of thing. So everybody's mm-hmm. talking about leaving, leaving Europe and stuff like that. So it was a major concern for the two 
Dundee lads. So um, so that was kind of a focus kind of thing as well. So it turned out that the exhibition became sort of like an events kind of thing. So lots of things were happening. There was, we had state beer, top pop. We had um, a band. We had an anthem. We had flags. You know, anything that a state would have. We had money. We had merchandise. You know, we had everything that, that a state kind of would encompass. And for then each venue that it went to, it would go to, we would work with a workshop or a studio that were printmakers and would add to the add to the to the exhibition or to the project and so each time it went to place a new participant would take part and the show would grow and expand in some sort of element so everybody sort of had an input as to how it would be displayed in each venue so it was always going to be different so we did get a bit of funding from culture ireland for for four shows that we had in england and then after that so it went to dundee edinburgh preston and aberdeen and then after that it went to impact in santander um, so all our events and happenings were kind of cut short in santander supposedly oh. <laughs> it wasn't actually there for the opening not allowing any anything to, you know for like a shop to function or anything so it didn't really show its worth there but still it brought it got a lot of interest mm. and uh, and a lot of people wanted to take part in it and see more mm. of it so um, came back to Ireland and uh, an exhibition again in Cork a couple of times and then it came to Limerick so Limerick was the was the last stop and that's a, that's two years gone by then wow. so cool. with these that's boxes fast. yeah yeah created around the place and stuff so you can imagine the volume of uh, stuff we had <laughs> oh yeah for sure I mean you even had your own yeah. passports that you're getting stamped yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, I forgot about the passports and we had visas. You could visit the state. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and how did yeah. you get citizenship? You had to have participated by the box. You had to buy a passport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Or, or if you if you were a citizen, a participant in the project, you became a citizen. Right. So, yeah. um, so you'd automatically get your your passport. But yeah, it was quite funny uh, to to see just the ordinary people come in to see the exhibition because you know they, they they were just because uh, it would on the opening night it would be there would be security guards there would be a metal detector for your baggages so you'd be going through a baggage is it a baggage security yes, where you have yes. to go and get whatever mm. and uh, you know the people would be shouting at you to to stand back or get through or whatever so it was it was a kind of a pushy state <laughs> to some extent and then we had our shop and we had we had a performance as well from from uh, Mickey who would who dressed up with all the money and he would chant poetry and, and words so it was it was everything and anything really state. So it was, oh, I it saw was, it in, in Santander I loved it my only regret was because I was there for the opening night I was just about to walk into the city you know and begin my journey I got called away so I didn't actually make it back <laughs> that night you know to go and see it and then um they go oh didn't you get your passport did you? I was like oh, oh, no. so, <laughs> so torn that I didn't actually get through or back you know because it was such a huge evening because where it was taken in the biblioteca the library they had there they had so many shows on yeah. so it was just poor timing that I got dragged away just as I was entering and yeah so I felt a bit robbed <laughs> I didn't actually get the full yeah. effect 
But um, I went back again and saw it later on, which was fabulous. But yeah, unfortunately, you couldn't buy anything. You know, that aspect of it sort of got cut short because of the restrictions they had at the times. Yeah, yeah. But it's um, fabulous. <laughs> so wonderful. Yeah, but I think I think it um, well. So so the way it had functioned up until Limerick, it, it it's still going to carry on and go forward. But, but different formats. So we've, we've sort of got rid of all the baggage, but not all the baggage, a good bit of it. When we were to, to auction it off or sell it the very day that Limerick got shut down with coronavirus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so nobody, we were there already, but nobody arrived. And so it, it's, and then, so the state went into quarantine. <laughs> we couldn't get access to it. <laughs> So eventually when, when everything opened up again, myself and Des went back and took yeah. it down and uh, we are going to have our final ceremony. So we'll keep you posted on that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> please keep us. Yeah, yeah. it'd be great. And there is, there is going to be a publication um, made about the state so far. And then uh, it will, I think they have, Noelle and Catherine and Paul and them are, are still bringing it forward to the next impact in Wonderful. a different sort yeah. of, same but different. So we have an archive as well. Mm. Everything that, that was, uh, like we have the stamps, the passports, the heads, all that sort of thing is, is the archive of the state. So you know, if you ever, if you're interested in showing the archive of the state of print in Australia, I'm sure you get it. <laughs> Look, I'm going to try again. I did try when I came back from Santander and um, I just couldn't get the enthusiasm. I don't know what was going on around here, but um, I'm enthusiastic about it. And as soon as I sort of get myself settled at the moment, I will try and get it back up and, and running and, and try, I don't know, do something on this side of the, the continent, I guess. Because uh, I really love the yeah, project. I was, thought it was it, wonderful. Yeah, it's so it was very well received, like it, by schools coming in and stuff like that, and learning about what is made up of the state. And mm-hmm. you know, it, it was it was very good. It was very good. No, no, I'll, I'll definitely do it again. So we'll, I'll try and get the archives out here or something or something. Yeah. I'll work archives something. will travel. Yeah. <laughs> well, after this podcast, I think everyone will be interested in knowing about the state of print. I feel like it's such like a dream to just design your own state and then having like all types of ages of people walk in and pretend they're a citizen even though they're already a citizen <laughs> as a human. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a bunch of fun for that to work. Oh yeah, it's 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 fun. And yeah. at, the, at the heart of it is printmaking because all the, the boxes were made for some form of printmaking. So silkscreen, uh, relief, all kinds of things and, and the repetitive nature of it. So there's a lot of duplicate kind of boxes and stuff. But but you'd be surprised how, how they can be so commanding in a space of, you yeah. know, all these boxes with these these images. It's propaganda in some of them, you know, and very sort of soft kind of thing. So everybody has their say in, in it and there's something for everybody as well. So, yeah, I think it was it was. A- was, was anybody concerned with anything that you did? Did you get any negative feedback? No, I don't think so. Not that I can remember. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. And also, I remember, um, God, it's going back a while. You did so, another amazing project with bird boxes. That was oh, right, okay. Well. So, oh, okay. So that, that's where the idea came for, for using cardboard and, and okay. hold out kind of things to, to make, the, um, make the boxes and, mm. and the state of print. Right, you know? okay. But you had made a bird box as well or were you not part of that oh yeah again it went to the to the workshops and the 
and some students as well that participated mm. in the project. So yeah, again, it was just you know a wall of the the bird boxes yeah. printed on again. Yeah. So Lady. what does the future hold now, uh, Susanna? Are you working project? No things that we can get excited about, or you know like. <laughs> participating or or shout well, out I'm doing the, the, uh, <laughs> thinking of place three now with yes, you guys yes. yeah mm-hmm. it's just um, opened up in Cairns oh yeah yeah, yeah, two days ago. Yeah. yeah. I haven't got all the feedback, but I think so far it has been received quite positively. And yeah, we're doing a thinking of place three. Yeah, <laughs> which I, I'm delighted there was a push on and deadline got further away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it was, uh, um, I mean... It, Especially with all this pandemic going on, it's, artists have found it really hard to like get in studios and get the work finished. So, yes. and at the moment, impact is on hold for us in Australia. I'm not sure when we're going to be able to travel. We've got like a bit of a draconian state at the moment here, where Teresa and I are living, and most of the borders around us are closed, and we're on a curfew. <laughs> so oh, we're really? stuck. Yeah, so we okay. uh, at the moment. I don't know what time is it now. Yeah, we can't go out. We're locked in. <laughs> locked in. <laughs> We're locked in. <laughs> we cannot leave. This will be on top of us, and so it's very quiet. I guess if it, if I can take you outside uh, visually, it's all black and yeah. <laughs> and you guys started this this podcasting before the the COVID. You yeah, know, yeah. Mine before it, had you? Yeah, okay. it's something, uh, well, something we wanted to do for quite a while and, um, you know, sort of came, you know, we published, started publishing it and then COVID came up. So it wasn't really an instigation from COVID. It was just something we had already going and it, you know, became Exploration. Live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, I like to, that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, not because of COVID. <laughs> I, guess, I guess COVID's making it harder. In a, in a sense, yeah. trying to connect with people and making sure that we can connect because it's it's really yeah, yeah. I think it's harder at this stage. I mean, we're lucky yeah, we get yeah. to see you in daylight mm-hmm. where it's nighttime here. So yeah, can appreciate. No, it. it's fabulous. Is there anything you want to ask us? Oh no, I think it's great. Um, you know, with 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 the with the COVID happening and the lockdown, you know, you spend a lot more time at home, and mm-hmm. um, it's been really great to to listen to podcasts and all things about print. You know, to to really focus. For yourself, mm. for myself, like say, but keeping in mind what will be useful later down the road for a student or for a project yeah. or something like that. So I think um, even though we've been locked down, I've been really overloading myself with with knowledge of print and other people talking about print. It's been really good. Like it's like a refreshing to be able mm. to have so many avenues to to chase online and people are sharing things techniques you know it's 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 um, printmaking is always very a sharing giving kind of people do it you know because they they want to show off maybe but they also want to to improve others and and uh, yeah you want to keep the conversation going all the time. So I think it's, and positively, it has widened even further to, to everybody sharing what they do and how they do mm. stuff. And, and it's become a lot more easier to, to source things, find out solutions and stuff. So mm. it's great. And just the different personalities are making this. I've been listening to a couple of yours. And um, I do remember the guy, um, Skateboard. Uh-huh, Joe, yes, Joe. You would yeah. yeah. Did you see yeah. him in China? Yeah, he was in did, China. Yeah. With us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing the the performance. Yeah, so that was nice. You know, when you have a already a not relationship, but you have a you have a knowledge yeah. of something and it iterates. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's good. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any yeah. words of wisdom for um, you know students or any artist who's thinking of embarking on doing some work? Is there any? Sure. 
there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> Words of wisdoms are, well, you know, I think persistence is a huge thing to not give up because because you may you may leave our college. I, I presume we're talking about our people. You, you may leave our college and, and you may want things to happen immediately and you know instantly, which is the generation that's coming along now. It's it's all very instantaneous. But I think that they have to learn to to try and do things that will enhance whatever they have. You know, to widen their kind of scope as to how they make and work and where they go even and to be persistently kind of consistent and persistent and they eventually will get what they want you know you don't like I would I would definitely take into account that my framing my framing days my teaching days my even workshops with kids and and small little art camps that I used to do all that sort of thing pays off you know it gets you to where you are and so you can't discount anything you do you have to take you know everything that you have to do to survive can work for you if you know what I mean yeah no I do yeah so I think I was gonna say I think Teresa has a very special question that she asks all of our (laughs) (laughs) well you you might know it already from listening to our podcast but I'm very much interested in what you were saying and learning from all these people and me myself I've been very unmotivated to make work and so listening to you speak about all these projects is kind of motivated to go okay everything is accessible and everything you can achieve it but my most important question that I'm really interested in is whether or not your identity goes into your practice or your practice goes into your identity yeah um I I think I think for me I wouldn't be able to make the work I do now without having experienced all of the things I have so all the work I've made you know like it's only when retrospect when you look look back like even trying to collate what you're going to talk about or what you're going to have on your website that you you see all the kind of connections so I think I see myself in all my work and I think the people who um, see my work see me in it is that is that making sense no yeah no it does definitely yeah I think it's a it's a rotated thing that's both way equals but but for for someone to see you directly oh I'm saying this all wrong (laughs) (laughs) that's okay um I don't think it's 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 probably myself that I see in my work but not necessarily anybody would see me in it you know you have your own identity with with your work but whether other people see that is 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 only if they know you. That was load rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> it was no, fine. It's not making sense. I don't think. Yeah. No, it definitely makes sense. I, I think yeah. it's only like now. I mean, Antoinette knows you, and I haven't seen your work before, not even in real life, which I really hope I do at some point. But it's interesting to hear the artist speak, and then I guess the outside perspective to see how you feel about it and if, um, you know, after you answer it, seeing if I can see you in it, which is, I think it's a nice, yeah. you know, <laughs> connection in a way. There was this, this quote that, um, that, I, that I sometimes use, I, I use it once in a, and I, I, I think it was Matisse or one of those boys, and they said that when, you, when you're looking at a work of art, when you're standing in front of a work of art and you're looking, that art is actually looking at you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love that quote. Why you not? Know, yeah. <laughs> no, just be careful. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, also, Zana, we can't say how grateful we are to have you on. It's just been wonderful, really lovely. And uh, I hope um, we can catch up again and do maybe a bit of a Christmas special or something and let us yeah. know what's happening yeah. over there. It'll be, it'll be good. Yeah. That'd be great, mm-hmm. yeah. Thanks for listening. To keep up to date with us, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Brilla Girls. This episode is sponsored by Adam the Flowerman. Adam the Flowerman offers floral styling for homes, weddings, commercial environments and corporate events. Tell him the Brilla Girls sent you. You can find him in Sandringham, shop online or in store www.adamtheflowerman.com.au Well, it's a Brulo Ghost.